If we lived in a world where you could trust your money, uh, you could then trust your ability to just go work hard like you already do. When the money's fixed, all this bullshit goes away. Hi there from sunny El Salvador. What a beautiful country. I actually first came here 18 months ago to visit the Bitcoin Beach Project. And it's a real pleasure to be back here in the country and see how that seed that Michael Peterson planted has grown. It's pretty impressive, actually, all the stuff that's happening with Bitcoin down here. I can't wait to tell you all more about it. Anyway, how are you all doing? Did you have a good weekend? Welcome to the What Bitcoin Did podcast, which is brought to you by Gemini, the only place I am using for buying Bitcoin. I'm your host, Peter McCormack, and today I've got another rehab show with American Hoddle, and this time we are joined by Surfer Jim. But before that, I do have a message from my show sponsors, and today we're going to kick off with Ledger, the world's most popular hardware wallet. Now, a hardware wallet allows you to take custody of your Bitcoin, and I've been a Ledger customer since early 2017, and I'm still using the same Nano S I bought back then. Ledger makes it easy for you to safely manage your Bitcoin using their Ledger Live software, which interfaces with your device. And if you're an Android phone user, you can connect that to your Nano S and manage your Bitcoin on the go. If you want to find out more, please do head over to ledger.com, which is L-E-D-G-E-R.com. Next up, we have Gemini, my new exchange sponsor, who I'm using for buying and selling Bitcoin exclusively but I'm not selling at the moment. We're in a bull market. I'm only buying. And I've been using their awesome app. I've been buying the dips, but I've also set up my DCA with twice monthly buys of Bitcoin. And I've yet to see a better and easier interface for buying Bitcoin. I do want to give a massive shout out to Cameron and Tyler. Thank you for supporting the show and also for everything you're doing to support Bitcoin. I've reached out to them before, try to encourage them to support open source dev, and they've been plowing money into it. I'm enjoying working with the Gemini team, and if you want to check them out, please do head over to Gemini.com, which is G-E-M-I-N-I.com. And next up, we have its BlockFi, the future of Bitcoin and financial services, offering a number of products for Bitcoiners out there. Now, with a BlockFi interest account, you can earn yield on your Bitcoin. Now, I've been a customer with one of their interest accounts for nearly two years, and I love letting my Bitcoin work for me. And also, with BlockFi, you can take out a Bitcoin-backed loan. You can borrow against your Bitcoin without selling, and imminently, they're going to be launching the BlockFi credit card, which allows you to earn 1.5% rewards back in Bitcoin on all your card purchases. If you're interested in checking BlockFi out, I recommend you do your own research. Then head over to BlockFi.com, which is B-L-O-C-K-F-I.com. Okay, so onto the show today, and American Hoddle is back for another rehab show, and today we have Surfer Jim joining us. So, if any of you follow me on Twitter, you may have seen that I'm constantly getting shit from the Bitcoin plebs for all sorts of reasons. You know what? Some of them I think I deserved. I'm always trying to learn in public. I put my opinions out there, and you know what? I've got some shit back that I've deserved. And some of it I don't think I deserve. It covers a range of issues. It can be from my choice in sponsors, from getting the COVID vaccine, or just apparently I am a massive statist because I'm not a full anarcho-catalyst. But, you know, I do actually take some of this on board. It does make me reconsider my position. It's it's good to be held to account. Um, And I do also appreciate the pleb movement, but I wanted to get someone on from the community to be part of the show at one point. And Surfer Jim was the person that seemed perfect for this. Um, He isn't one of those Bitcoiners who gives me loads of shit, but he's quite honest with me about what he thinks of the show and my sponsors, etc. And so I asked him to come on uh, so we could have a no-holds-barred conversation and get into some of the areas where we may agree or disagree. 
and, and what it makes to be a good Bitcoiner. So, yep, happy to have Jim on, happy to discuss these topics. If you've got any questions or feedback about this show, then please feel free to get in touch. My email address is hello at whatbitcoindid.com. You can also jump into my Telegram group. I'm open to feedback. If you think I'm not touching subjects in the right way or there's other plebs who you think would like to come on, look, open-minded, feel free to reach out to me. Outside of that, have a great week. Hope you enjoy the show, and I will see you at the end of the interview. Hoddle, how you doing, man? Yo, what's up, dude? Uh, so you double booked us last time, and you picked the other show instead. Thanks for that. <laughs> I did, yeah, I did. Because Michaela Peterson was on the other show, and uh, I'm a big fan of her father. So I was like, you know what? I talk to Peter all the time. Like that can that shit can wait. Sorry, guys. <laughs> it's all right. Well, we can get her on. She follows me on Twitter. Let's get her on. Um, yeah, anyway, cool. we've got a we got a very special guest today. We got Seth <laughs> Jim. I don't know about special, but thanks for thanks for having me. No, it's good to have you on, dude. Well, listen. Look, firstly, um, it's nice to meet you. Uh, I think for a long time on Twitter, I thought you were about like twenty six years old. And, uh, <laughs> Why? I don't, I don't know, man. Just like Surfer Jim, just sounds like some cool young dude. Well, I was given an endless when I was a young dude. Maybe never cool, but who knows? <laughs> We're about the same age, I reckon, Jim. Not far off. Uh, no, I got 20 years on you, brother. You got 20 years? You're not, I'm you know, 60. You're I am 60 Shut the fuck year. up. No, dead serious. Wow. And you know why yeah. I don't care about wow. saying that? I, I, w- I was thinking I might get a chance to tell the story, so now I will. I was in a bar okay. in my early 30s, trying to impress some much younger women in their early 20s. And... You know, if you hook up and they're good looking enough, this could be a fun night, right? And a group of girls is talking to a group of me and my guy friends, and one of them says, well, how old are you guys anyway? And we all realize, oh boy, this could be, you know, make it or break it. If we're too old, these chicks aren't going to want to hang with us, you know? And uh, it dawned on me that never being a one-night stand kind of a guy, if I was to hook up with a, a chick much younger than me, I was looking for a relationship. I, I just want a, a good relationship. I don't, I'm not into a one-night stand. And I thought, well, if I lie to this chick about my age, she's going to find out one day. And then the entire basis of our, our um, relationship was started on a lie. So what the hell good is that? So I immediately understood that if I lie to this girl in this bar, I'm just a complete fool, and it's not going to get me anything that I might want. And if I'm too old for her, I'm too fucking old for her. I can never change that. So I'm 60, and I can never change that. And I'm not going to fucking lie about it. Like, and I'm not going to, like, I don't get why people impersonate either one of you two on Twitter. What the fuck is the point? If you can't be who you are, <laughs> you, you, like, you don't, we don't need to hear from you. Like, be fucking real, dude. I don't, I don't get it. I don't get people. Well, I don't get people either. I've been uh, I've been trolling the Americans uh, for the last twenty four hours, which has been fun. But anyway, listen, Jim, you've been out there slaying billionaires, <sighs> taking down the no. billionaires. No, 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 I'm not slaying. I mean, you did slay How one. I, you did slay one. I, you did slay I one, don't dude. see it that way. I don't. I don't yeah. see that he I slayed, slayed anybody. Yeah, well, I see yeah. it. Surfer Jim one, Chamat zero. That's how I see it. Well, it still was not my intention to make them take him off. I, like, we, I still don't know. Was he fired off the, off the panel or did he quit? Does anybody know? Do either you guys know? I think it's likely that yeah, he I'm not, quit. Yeah, I know. You right. know for sure? Yeah, I, I, uh, I know. Well, yeah, but I'm not like, uh, I, I, he wasn't fired off it at all. Um, and I think that's a good thing because I don't think that would be the right move, whatever we think of him. 
I think it'd be good if he came out and did his speech and if he got booed, then so be it. Then he'd have to understand why. Uh, and if he came out and said some good things, like he, he, I think he's an interesting guy. Like I think he said some good stuff. I thought what he said to you was atrocious. I think BitClout is a joke. But but whatever, like we're, we are in the marketplace of ideas, right? And if we don't have a marketplace of ideas, if we don't get to challenge them, we're all just going to sing from the same hymn sheet. So it's good to have that marketplace of ideas and learn what works, what does, and what, what people like, you know, where consensus is. But uh, he definitely wasn't fired. I know that for sure. Um, I think it was to do something to do with uh, he wanted to do his presentation remotely because he couldn't get into the city. And they were like, no, we, I think we need you in person. So I think he pulled out because of that. But Because I tried to reach out. I was like, uh, if I'm emceeing and I know someone's you know, going to get some shit, I tried to reach out to him because I thought we should talk beforehand. And you know, my advice to him was that he, I would have just advised him that I think he should reach out to you and apologize. That's what I found out. So, uh, So I agree with you that he should not have been fired. Um, if they offered him the spot and he did nothing to break the contract, which as far as I understand he didn't, uh, then he should be allowed to speak. And if he selected himself out, then that's up to him. Uh, I agree an apology may have been reasonable and I certainly would have accepted it. But my position was never to remove him or Novogratz or anybody else as speakers. My, my bitching was just the fact that they were there and I didn't understand and maybe it was my being naive, I didn't understand what I thought was a Bitcoin conference was allowing keynote speakers to be people who, not just dabbling, but promote pump and dump shit coins as somehow a diversified crypto portfolio is something that the average person should consider. And I don't believe that's true at all. And so uh, to me, it was a test of integrity. I didn't, I didn't see it... Um, I just didn't see the reason why they needed those speakers when there's a ton of other great Bitcoin-only, really smart people out there that would attract just as large of an audience and they could hold a higher level of integrity standard of the speakers that they're using. Uh, and, and I get that we all have skeletons in our closet, we've made mistakes and nobody's perfect, but there is a level at which we have to all choose to compromise with the relationships we keep with everybody. Uh, it's all. It's always good to forgive somebody who humbly apologizes, always, because none of us are perfect. But when somebody is routinely over, I see evidence of routine disinformation, obfuscation of relevant facts, all kinds of presentations that cloud the reality of what shitcoins really are. And so there's a giant market for them now because most people have no clue what they're doing. And the people that really do know what they're doing are not taking a strong enough stand against it because they make too much money uh, by just ignoring the real deep truths. That's how I see it. Yeah, this is an extremely vicious game that's going on right now. And uh, I think it's, it's very frustrating for those of us who have a conscience because... It's like shitcoiners are on parade at the moment. The Bitcoin price has been trading in the same range for about two and a half months. And because of that, people are searching for yield and things like Dogecoin and, you know, um, whatever, Ethereum, whatever it is, right? NFTs. 
Um, somebody was ex- explaining to me how they're trading these things called bunks, which are like little pictures of monkeys and like this monkey, like hipster monkeys, and like this monkey has a leather jacket and that makes him more valuable. And this little picture of a monkey, you know, it's so stupid. It's incredibly stupid, right? And uh, like for for instance, like I am someone who you know I've been in, in the space for a long time. I have like casual relationships with people who have invited me in on stuff like this. Like, do you want to get in on the pre-sale of XYZ token? And the answer is no, I don't because I can't sleep at night if I do that. Like, I don't feel good. I think Michael Saylor said it once that I don't feel right winning if I don't win the right way. And I have the same moral framework that that he does. I don't feel right um, selling people a future I don't believe in. And that's what shitcoining is because... The real game is to trade these shitcoins, to dump them on retail, to take your profits and put that into Bitcoin and to earn more Bitcoin. This is a big uh, you know, game of essentially hot potato in order to earn more Bitcoin. And I think the one thing that we were um, you know, naive about as Bitcoiners was that we kind of, you know, we thought this might not happen again. Like we 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 were hopeful that it might not happen again, that there might not be an alt season again, uh, because I think it's just a very frustrating feeling, and not because there's you know stuff going on in other places. Like like I don't care if Dogecoin goes to five dollars or whatever, right? Which it's not going to, but I don't care if Dogecoin has a pump. What I care about is all the people who believe the shitcoin marketing, the shitcoin narrative, and they're the ones who get stuck holding the bag. Because they're denominating in the United States dollars, they think they're doing really well, but then the real traders, the savvy guys, like the guys like Kobe or whoever, they're out there denominating in Bitcoin and they're front-running retail user uh, unit bias, and they're using that to dump on them. I fundamentally just think it's sort of a slimy game. I don't like it, and you know, it's a bummer to see. And I know we're all getting those those. Uh, those messages from friends who are like, hey man, what about Dogecoin? Think Dogecoin's going up? And you're like, Jesus Christ, really? I've been telling you about Bitcoin for five fucking years. Five years. When I told you about Bitcoin, it was $200 a coin. Now it's $55,000 a coin. Did you think to listen at any point in the last five years? What the fuck is wrong with you? What is wrong? I want to strangle these people. You know? Let me read you yeah. this because it, 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 the perfect thing came through today. All right, here we go. Uh, some dude messages me this morning. Uh, Big fan of the podcast. Uh, out of interest, do you feel any FOMO now that they've gone off the shitcoins? Like he's basically saying, am I f- I'm missing the FOMO? And I said to him, look, I definitely feel the FOMO, but I've stuck to my guns with Bitcoin. Financially, it's worked out, and some of the shitcoins are going to get wrecked. Um, I understand why some people get involved in shitcoins uh, on two levels. I think some just want to make money. I get that. And I also understand that some people actually, and I think it's, I think it's uh, naive to, to not accept that some people actually believe in these projects. I don't believe every single person buying a shitcoin thinks, oh, this is junk, it's going to die, it's bullshit. I think some people fundamentally believe in them. There are funds created that set up it. Uh, and I think that's like an interesting area of discussion. So I'm probably going to take the opposite side of you two to prod your arguments out of you. And like anyone listening, this isn't me being a shitcoiner, I'm 100% Bitcoin, but I'm going to prod the arguments from their angle so people listening don't just have three people going, oh, shitcoins are shit. Like we have some debate around this. In my opinion, anybody who's a competent uh, computer engineer, coder level person 
should be able to see the obvious problem here. And um, I would phrase it this way. Uh, the invention of Bitcoin, the first time that um, a digital file was able to be created and not copied and controlled by a single person, um, uh, that, that's the invention here. And, and what was created was a, a, cell, a, a closed loop system whereby uh, within the system, digital files are created and managed and can't be copied. Um, but what gives it value is its tie to the real world, which is proof of work. Uh, now, the reason this works is because no one in the system has to be trusted, only the code and the agreement that everybody participating in the system is running the same code. Once the network effect kicks in on that, you can't stop that part. So we're already there. Um, so you've got a closed-loop system. The system creates digital files that can't be copied, that are controllable by single individuals. And um, uh, the rewards for helping maintain the system are the use of electricity, a provable use of electricity, that the system itself can verify. No third parties have to verify any of this stuff. So the system checks and balances itself all day long. You can use the rules of the system to dictate the movement of these digital files over time, and in some cases, space. Um, but you cannot enforce, let me see how to say this. You cannot own a digital file and then enforce physical rules in the physical world in any way. Right, So you cannot have a token that represents your mortgage. I mean, you could have it, but it doesn't mean you can enforce it. Right, mm -hmm. Same thing for owning a car or anything else. You can't have a token. You don't need a token for anything else that you can use a database for because the systems that are creating these tokens um, are simply creating a uncopyable file that can represent value. That's it, but it cannot represent something in the real world other than the electricity used to create that value or what gives it that value, I should say. And then you extrapolate out all this into the realm of economics and money, and you come to realize that there's only ever gonna be one real money if, you know, humans will converge on the best money. Bitcoin, in my opinion, is that. And so none of the others are gonna win as money. So what are they gonna win as? They can't do anything else with a digital file that is within a closed system, move, move, being able to be moved around, uh, you know, using public and private key cryptography to do what? To do what? To move a token around, right? That's all we're doing is we're moving digital files around here that we've given value to, right? And we've given them value because we can control them because the system runs itself. There are no third-party actors that anybody needs to trust. And so now you could take your time and you could say, I want one of those digital files and I will give you the shitty fiat dollars if you give me rights to that digital file. That's all this is. We're storing our value in digital files that we get to control. It's not storing it in bars of gold anymore or houses or anything else. We're simply storing our time. So what the hell do we need a million shit coins for? To store other pieces of our time? No, we don't. And we can't control real world assets with these digital files. NFTs are the biggest joke going. You take a, a, a real file of some kind, digital file, photo, uh, video, text, and you hash it. 
That's what an NFT is. It's a string of numbers and letters that represent an original file. Now, if you have that hash, that NFT, you have no idea what that looks like. And unless you have the original and hash it again to prove, haha, see my NFT links to this original because I can hash the original and it gets me this NFT number again. So what are you buying when you're buying an NFT? A, nu a big number and the, the uh, the proof that you have that, that, that this number represents something is the same thing I can make a thousand copies of and give to everybody else. So the NFT is pointless. So you got guys like Chima pushing MF NFTs. You got, you got, I'm sorry, Peter, but I was going to come down on you for this. Your sponsors are all a bunch hey, of shit coins. Listen, and I listen, would not listen, use Jim. any of them because they're promoting <laughs> bullshit all day long. The Winklevoss twins are evil. They, they created a what? giant casino for people to get wrecked. I can't stand it. Well, but it's legal, and hey, you know, it's a free market. We can do what they want to do, but I would Jim, get Bitcoin-only sponsors. All right, sorry, I've spoken enough. Jim. Thank oh, no, you. No, 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 listen. I, I, hey, hey, listen, we had a conversation offline before this, and I said this is no hold bars. You can come in and say whatever you want. You can ask me any questions. Um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't call my sponsors evil uh, at all. Well, and that's not, maybe not that's not. That's not me just But they should know better. That's not me if just I know this shit, what? Peter, if I know this shit, these rich motherfuckers should know this shit. They got all the time in yeah. the world to study this crap. Listen, I, I can say, I, I'm like here, you can ask any questions. I, I, I don't think creating an exchange for shitcoin makes, shitcoins makes you evil. They've got a business to run and they've made business choices, right? But we can go through this. Like, we can go through any of that stuff. But what? let, let me start with, I said I was going to take the opposite side so people hear the argument. Because there's going to be people who love shitcoins. They are. And they want to trade them, and they're interested in them, um, and they're going to listen to this show. And, and and I think it's fair to at least take their position. But like I said, I'm 100% Bitcoin. Uh, even Kobe, Kobe messaged me a while back, told me when to place the ETH trade. He said, "Now's the time to buy. It's going to shoot up." And I said, "No, dude, I'm not going to do it. Can't do it. Blah blah blah." And I stuck with the Bitcoin, right? So there's a couple of things to unpack there. Like, but the thing I would say is, what are we actually saying about shitcoins? Are we saying they shouldn't exist, or are we saying they should exist? if they want to exist, but we, are, we should be providing the feedback mechanisms to people who might want to trade them what we think about it. The yeah, second I mean, thing, they should I, exist. Yeah, Go ahead, as, a free, as a free market capitalist, like I do think that they uh, have a... <laughs> they, I, I can't do anything to stop them, nor would I want to do anything coercive to stop them. Let me put it like that. You know what I mean? I don't like the fact that they exist. But in a totally free market, for instance, think about the Wild West in America. You used to have these guys who would go uh, town to town, you know, with these carts full of snake oil. And oftentimes, this snake oil would be full of formaldehyde and cocaine and heroin and a little bit of gasoline, all sorts of crazy shit, right? And they would sell this concoction town to town, and they would go, what do you have, ma'am? Do you have headaches? Oh, you have headaches? Well, this cures headaches. What do you have? Oh, you have AIDS? Well, this cures AIDS. They didn't have AIDS back then. But you get the point of what I'm saying, right? Uh, in a totally free market, what, what Bitcoin maximalists are trying to do is stand next to that guy with the snake oil cart and be like, this is bullshit. Everything he's saying is bullshit. And every time he speaks, we shout over him because there's nobody coming to stop this behavior. This is not the nerfed up world you know with consumer protections. This is caveat emptor, buyer beware. This is a totally free market. There's nobody who's going to save you from yourself here, right? Like uh, I've said this before, but like major corporations cannot go on TV and directly lie to you because the FCC will come down on them. But a shitcoin can go right out, say anything it basically wants to say, 
can say, oh, we do this, we do that, we do smart contracts, we put this on the blockchain, we put that on the blockchain, and there's no sanctioning body that's going to come down on them. So it's really just a bunch of volunteerist assholes like us who have to come out, uh, you know, against these things in order to basically tell you the game. And like, what I would say is like, if you want to trade shit coins uh, and you're trading them to make more Bitcoin and you're not promoting them in general, I don't really have a problem with you. That's not a behavior that I would personally engage in myself because I feel like it's very risky. I feel like it's pretty immoral. Um, and I feel like, I don't know, it's just not something that that I would personally do. But if you are going to do that, at least you have the correct mental model for how the game is played in your head. If you're the type of person, though, who listens to XYZ billionaire and goes, oh, man, Mark Cuban said that banana coin is the future. And then you go all in or Dogecoin or whatever. Dude, they're, they're putting uh, Dogecoin. Uh, you can be able to pay for Mavericks games in Dogecoin. That's amazing. You know, it, it doesn't make any sense. Like, go look at the GitHub repos. Nobody's been uh, developing on Dogecoin in fucking years. You know what I mean? Like, it's a ghost town. Like, no, these things will yeah, never like be interoperable with anything. They are just shitcoin trades. That's all they are. But, but isn't that like all through life we have things like that? So, for example, you know, a lot of people would, like Jim, you're saying you wouldn't use any of my sponsors because they have shit coins, right? But isn't it a case like some people will say, well, look, cigarettes are bad, cigarettes are evil. They, they, sell, they basically sell you death, but you'll go into a gas station and buy gas from a station that sells, you know, that sells cigarettes. Like, should we be enforcing this purity all through our life and consistency of purity? Like everywhere you go, there's something that is potentially negative, can have a negative impact on your life and you, and you ignore that because that's the way I see this purity test playing out. It's like you're saying, oh, you, you shouldn't have that sponsor because they have shit coins. Okay, well, I think cigarettes are evil, so I can't use that gas station because they sell cigarettes. Like where, how far see, do we carry this purity through Cigarettes life? are actually bad for you though. The same way shitcoins are mainly bad for almost every participant in the market. 90-ish percent of, and I'm being very generous when I say 90, 90 percent of participants in this market will end up losing money. Okay, that's just how it is. It's the same way that, you know, X percentage of people who smoke are going to end up getting lung cancer. It is bad for you to smoke. It is bad for you to trade shitcoins, right? And so we have social stigmas that form around that. Like, sure, you can go into, you know, a a petrol station, as you call it. Dude, that was a terrible accent. I'm going to go into <laughs> the petrol good. station uh, and buy and buy your cigarettes, right? Um, but, you know, there's a lot of social stigma that's formed around that. We now have rules about where you can and can't smoke. You know what I mean? Like, if you're smoking, if you, if you're smoking at a party or something, like, people, people will look at you weird. You know what I mean? Like, it tends to be more of a lower class activity. Um, there are a lot of stigmas that form around it. So, yeah, like, you can still do it. We still have freedom. But, you know, you're going to, there, there are, it's not without consequence. You can't, it's like, sometimes like the guys like Eric Voorhees, you know, they make this free market argument where they go, well, you don't like the free market. You know what I mean? You don't think people should be able to engage in free market activity. It's like, hey, when did you dipshits forget that free speech was part of a free market? If you don't like, if we don't like what you're doing, we are allowed to say we don't like what you're doing. That's free speech. Mm. That's free market behavior too. Understand that. I don't have to sit by and idly watch you do whatever you're doing. You know what I mean? If you were polluting, I'm allowed to go, this guy's polluting, look at him. This is a negative externality on all of us. Tragedy of the commons type shit. You know what I mean? I don't I just have to be okay with your immoral behavior. Nor yeah, am but I. You, you kind of, you, you've kind of missed the point of the, the question, though. What I'm saying is, it's like, there's this huge amount of pressure that comes in the Bitcoin world. If that you're not Bitcoin only on everything you do, like you get, quite, it's not just criticism, it's like, 
Uh, people like saying, fuck your shit, I want nothing to do with your shit, blah, blah, blah. But why don't we carry that out into other places? Like I say, why aren't we saying to people, you know, going to a gas station that sells cigarettes, say, you shouldn't be going to that gas station. You get your gas from a gas station that doesn't sell uh, cigarettes. I'll tell you yeah. why. Because this is the most important invention in all of human history. And people are being deceived that there's a whole bunch of others that might beat it one day or that are just like it. This is not cigarettes and gasoline. And my gas station doesn't promote cigarettes. But Gemini promotes shitcoins all day long. They're helping build an ecosystem to wreck people. I think it's terrible. Mm. So, yeah, look, look, I'm listening to your points, uh, but it's that purity test. It's a very hard road this, to walk. This, this is well, the most important, Peter. This is the most important invention in all of human history. This is the best form of money humans have ever had. We're trying to free all of humanity from the oppression of central banking and wars, right? Mm. And but the shitcoins don't damage are, Bitcoin. They damage the individual. Me? They waste incredible amounts of time, human resources, actual money, with websites being built, all kinds of uh, wasted resources trying to build something that's never going to last and delaying the, uh, the adoption of worldwide, the best worldwide money ever. This is... They're, they're, they're destroying people's potential uh, because they're distracting them all day long. They're, the, the real narrative is being suppressed. This, is, this, this new form of money is the most important thing humans have ever had because this, this allows everybody to be free. This, allows, uh, this, this removes the manipulation of the narrative and, uh, and the control of people because you look all day long at these... Uh, TV reporters. I, I just saw a clip on on Twitter where a guy is arguing with, you know, some dude is filming the reporter. He's set up with his cameraman. They're going to do a story. And the reporter has his mask off and he's yelling at the guy, what's your problem, blah, blah, blah. And then he puts his mask on to start the taping. And the guy starts mocking him like, are you kidding me? You just told me you could say whatever you want. You're free. And the guy says, well, the corporate people want us to look a certain way. And he goes, oh, so you're not free. And the reason is because his paycheck is controlled by people above him, right? We all are susceptible to compromising our morals when our lives are at stake, when our paycheck is at stake. You know how many cops do not want to enforce bullshit laws, but they, they have to, they want their job, right? So I bet you a lot of them are conflicted. I bet you a lot of them know that they're doing evil. They're supporting the state, which is destroying lives and stealing money for victimless crimes, but they don't want to lose their job. Why is all this existing? Because some people at the top control money and they fuck everybody's lives and their moral compasses up. And I'm trying to help fix this shit. And I can't stand the shitcoins distracting people, wasting resources and wasting time and delaying this inevitability, which I may not get to see because I'm an old motherfucker, but society is going to benefit already from seen the it, hard dude. work it's we're already doing. Happened. Yeah, but I might not it. see it fully play out worldwide hyper-Bitcoinization, $20 billion Bitcoin, you know, I may not see all that, but the point is that this is a revolution that none of us are going to stop, in my opinion, and it is the inevitability of what humans need. O over time, enough humans will make sure this happens, but all this bullshit has to get swept out of the way first, and that's all I'm doing. I'm just a janitor trying to clean up around here. I'll tell you something funny, though. I, my biggest Bitcoin lesson was getting wrecked on shitcoins, just out of interest. Yeah. I got wrecked yeah, on shitcoins in 2017, 2000. Well, actually, no, I have to be completely honest. I got wrecked on shitcoins 
Bitcoin mining, not understanding the economics, and I also got partly wrecked on Bitcoin. Well, this yeah. you know there is a bit of a deep canvassing effect, right? Because uh, you know you were hearing people say that oh, you shouldn't be doing those shitcoins, you shouldn't be trading those shitcoins, blah blah blah. You did it anyway. You made a lot of money on paper. You lost a lot of money on paper, and you came mm-hmm. all the way back down. And then you said, "Fuck." Maybe the people who were telling me that this was all a bunch of bullshit were right the whole time, right? And so that mm-hmm. we're yeah. we're playing that role now for the people who, for the new entrants who are coming in the market. Um, and you know, we'll be here for you when you get wrecked. And listen, I know a lot of guys who you know made like twenty million dollars in the ICO boom on paper, right? They quote unquote made twenty million dollars. And by the time it was over, they had next to nothing. That's how hard the tide goes out when the tide does go out. So if you see, if you're trading, if you're all in on shitcoins right now, and you see life-changing money on the table, take it. Take it. Take it. You know what I mean? Take it. Like, if it's there for the taking, fucking take it. You're already in. I'm not telling you to trade shitcoins, but if you've already bought them and you have life-changing money, fucking take that shit. Don't get greedy. Mm-hmm. Peter, and then go Peter's store mistake it somewhere. Was, he got too greedy Sorry. last time. You know, <laughs> and then store yeah, it in somewhere where greedy. it won't melt away, right? Yeah. This is why in Bitcoin, you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I can you can get greedy in Bitcoin as well. Like I, yeah, I could have just got wrecked on the mining alone. Like uh, you know, uh, greed, like that fear and greed thing does drive you. It doesn't matter whether it's Bitcoin, shit coins, or anything. Like that fear and greed can drive most human emotions and decisions. We have it's a, a good word. Test of it. We have a word that helps you through this in Bitcoin. And that word is hodl. Hoddle. <laughs> hoddle through the fear, hoddle through the greed. In the bear market, it's going to be fear driving the bus. In the, in the bear market, it's going to be greed driving, driving the bus. Hoddle through, walk the middle path, you know? Mm. Uh, full disclosure, for those who don't know me, um, I probably have admitted this somewhere along the way in the past, but when I started learning about this, um, I first place I was able to get some Bitcoin in New York, it's very restricted. I had to use Coinbase. And of course, there was, well, not of course, but at the time there was Litecoin and Ethereum on there, and that was it. And I thought I was going to, you know, make more Bitcoin by trading because I'm smart enough. And I tried, and I did actually pretty well because I learned how to use stop loss orders, and um, I got stopped out at a really good point in uh, November of 2018, and the market crashed, and I was on a cruise with my family and. I, I was like, all right, I, I got to stop this. I'm out. I'm back into cash in my account. I'm just going to leave it there. And then I, my Coinbase account got closed down. Uh, at the same time, my bank account got shut down. So I'm like, okay, I think there's a connection. But I, I, I got my money out of Coinbase. And then I had to figure out how else I could put it back into Bitcoin. And I was lucky enough that by the time I got it all worked out, the price had dropped so low that I ended up with more Bitcoin than I had before. So I got a very lucky trade out of that. But it's not because uh, I wanted to be a trader or anything else. I just wanted as much Bitcoin as possible, and I got lucky. There's very few people that I've met in this industry who haven't at one point or another bought some shitcoin or traded some shitcoin. Like, I, I, I would struggle to even think of someone off the top of my head. Perhaps, perhaps Russell O'Kung is like one of the few people that appears to have only ever done Bitcoin. I think even that like D, that crazy D to Bob dude, wasn't he like tweeting about some shitcoin at one point? Like I can't remember what the one it was. Like uh, I think I don't know. you know, I think yeah. I think most people I, one I owned, or another uh, have done it. I, I think I owned four million doge at one point. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> dude, you'd, you'd be a billionaire. <laughs> I'm pretty now. sure. 
<laughs> I mean, listen, hey, I was gonna, I was gonna make well, my own. But, I, I was convinced I could make the the next Bitcoin <laughs> back in the day. I even reached out to Jimmy Song to find out what it would take to get a, a like a one hour <laughs> consultant with him, and he wanted a full Bitcoin, and it was like four grand at the time. I'm like, hell no, I ain't paying you four grand to talk to you for an hour. I think we just tell you that uh, your ideas are- don't work. <laughs> Oh yeah, it was going to be these, wasted money. So. <laughs> but one of the other things I've 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 like thought a lot about recently is like the the net effect of kind of like yelling at people about shitcoins and like how effective is it? And I'm not sure how effective it is. I think most people once they've made the decision, they've made the decision. They're yeah, going to do true. it. That's true. And and it's very difficult to change their mind. It's uh, I, and like I obviously get a lot of emails from listeners, and they're like, oh, "I'm, you know, I listen to your show. I'm, you know, I'm Bitcoin only now." Or you know, they come and they say, "I'm thinking of going Bitcoin only now. What do you think?" And like, and I always have to say, I think I'm saying, if you've got some shitcoins now, you might sell them now for Bitcoin, and you'll watch those shitcoins go up, and you'll you'll get the FOMO again. But the reality is, you don't know if they will, and you don't know if you would erode that up or erode that down. Like, just by holding Bitcoin, you feel quite secure and quite safe. Um, but you know, it I, comes I down to like I've stopped yelling at shitcoiners. Really, it comes down to time preference, basically, right? Shitcoiners just have a totally yep. different time preference than Bitcoiners do. Bitcoiners are thinking about this in five, ten, twenty-year timescales. Shitcoiners are thinking about this in five, ten, twenty-day timescales. So you're not going to be able to talk to somebody who's got a twenty-day framework in their head when you have a twenty-year framework in your head. It just the two things they they don't. It's like oil and water, you know. I don't think they're going away either. I think we will no, they're continually not have the cycle. You know, I had this coins. I had this epiphany recently that like shit coins are never are not going to go away until the dollar collapses because the dollar is literally so shitty that it's actually better to hold <laughs> your money in Dogecoin. And like that realization, I was like, "Oh man, what what we're really witnessing is sort of like this you know, Bitcoin is like a credit default swap on the entire world, and the price appreciation right now is just—it's just the premiums on the swap, and the the underlying hasn't even gone bust yet. And when it goes bust, that's when you really get paid out. So the thing that I think shitcoiners need to understand is this is essentially a game of musical chairs. And if you don't have a chair, like right now, the music is slowing. And if you don't have a chair when the music stops, you are fucked. And guess what? Dogecoin is not a chair. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, look, look, I, yeah. I, I can't disagree with you. Disagree with you on that point. Um, I also feel like yeah, the shit corners are like prodigal sons. You know what I mean? Like they're going to be the last to come into Bitcoin. But it's a little bit like the GameStop thing, right? The YOLO, don't give a fuck. Have you? I read the yeah. book Nihilism. by the guy who set up. Yeah, I read the book by the guy who set up the Wall Street bets. Um, Subreddit. Uh, Red subreddit. If you read yeah. that book, it's a it's a really interesting insight into the traders there. It, a lot of it isn't about uh, uh, sensible trading strategies. It is what is my YOLO shot? Can I turn two hundred dollars into ten million? Like, can I turn ten thousand dollars into five million? You know, what is the trade I need to do? And a lot of people are going in and getting absolutely fucking wrecked. And every now and again, this like hero comes out who made some weird trade, got lucky. Like, yeah. like I say, his $2,000 bet suddenly becomes $10 million and he walks away and he's an absolute fucking hero. But there's a whole culture around that. And I understand why that culture exists because if you, and you know, you, like you say, it's nihilism. I look at what's happening with the house prices in the UK right now. They are going up like fucking, like it's ridiculous. Uh, the, the price of the house I wanted to buy before lockdown compared to what it is now, it's like 20% higher. 
I mean, it's a massive jump in house prices. But I look at that and go, okay, look, my kids, right? My son's 17, my daughter's 11. They're going to be five to 10 years away from buying a house. How the fuck are they going to buy a house? So I think there's people that are like loaded with debt. They know they can't afford houses. A lot of the career opportunity, opportunities look shitty. And it's like, fuck this. Let's YOLO. Let's see if I can do the money shot. Let's, let's throw a Hail Mary and see what happens. Yeah. I get that. And in some ways, it's kind of like, I almost don't want to take that away from people. Uh, it's, it's like people going to Vegas and, and having a blowout and going for their Hail Mary there. It's, I, I get why it's happening. And I, get, I think that's why, I understand, that's why you can't turn people off that. Yeah, you'll never take that away from people. People are always going to want to gamble. Um, the problem is what created this whole uh, perspective in the first place. The fiat money system creates the impression that there's giant injustices out there, and there is. Uh, the people at the top of the money spigot um, have all kinds of insider information. I mean, you look at somebody like Nancy Pelosi and her husband that who runs a trading operation. You, you can't tell me they haven't made millions of dollars off of her knowledge of insider information or the fact that the government's going to write words on paper that gives one company an advantage over another. So we've got so much brokenness in the systems that have been created because of fiat money. Just, just the, the laws that get written because people can and then the enforcers that enforce those laws, because as I said earlier, they depend on their salaries. And all of this is perpetuated by a few people that can control the money. It's literally, that's it's everything. And so it's, it's totally understandable why the average dude wants to, you know, strike at gold if he thinks he can, you know, like the one, his one shot at this or whatever he thinks it might be. But if we lived in a world where you could trust your money, uh, you could then trust your ability to just go work hard like you already do. Most people already work hard to take care of their families. And then you could just save and you'll be fine. And prices are likely to go down and your savings are likely to buy you more in the future. And then you don't have to gamble and incentives change and you end up with more free time and life just gets better and better and better. And this shit just goes away, right? When the money's fixed, yep. all this bullshit goes away. I agree with Jim. And Pete, you said basically like you don't want to take that away from people. Uh, I do want to take that away from people. It'll be taken is, is by itself because of better money. It, yeah, I agree with you. Sorry it, to cut you off. That's true. I mean, but it's it's fatalism, right? Like it, it is nihilism. It, it is the belief that they don't have a future. And I would like to give people a future. I would like them to be rationally optimistic about what they can build, what they can do in their life, and then I want them to endeavor to start building it. Like, for instance, the, the, the compounded annual growth rate of Bitcoin, the CAGR of Bitcoin, is 200% year over year. Something like 213%, actually, right, for the last decade. So let's say that, you know, that those are pretty spectacular gains. Let's say it gets cut in half going forward, and you have 100% compounded annual growth rate, right? Um, if you put $5 a day every day for the next 10 years into Bitcoin, if the rate of return is 100% annual, uh, you end up with $5.6 million at the end of that. So that's what's on the table here. It's rationally yeah, building don't for miss my point. a future. Sorry. Right, no, but I'm saying like, I understand that you feel sympathy for these people, but I'm saying like, yeah, that's it. Like, I've dedicated my life to this dude. Dude, no, no, you, you don't, don't get me wrong. I've dedicated my life to like working on Bitcoin now. That's that's what I do, right? I produce content for uh, people who want to learn about Bitcoin. That's yeah. that's my life. I absolutely agree with you. What I'm saying is, is that I find it very hard 
to yell at somebody who wants to go and do this stuff. Like, I, I'm, I'll tell them why. Every single person, when they ask a question, the text I get about Dogecoin, like you're getting or Ethereum, I tell them exactly the same story. I'm like, yep. go and read my pin, go and read my pin, um, pin thread uh, on Twitter. You'll see I've been through this. The only way to do this is be slow, be patient, work hard, save, stack your stats, you know, and, and have a four-year, like minimum, four-year minimum time horizon, but be looking at a decade. Everyone gets the same story. But I've given up yelling at people about shitcoins because all it does is it creates a fight with no, out, with no outcome. So look, if you want to go and do that, go and do that. I don't think you should. I don't I, think you different should. Appro- there's different approaches, right? So I agree that like tough love, basically yelling at somebody, is not the right approach for everybody. But it is the right approach for people who tend to be more conservative, right? For people who tend to be more liberal, you need to lead with uh, empathy and sympathy, right? You need to, you know, tell them that you care about them and that you know this is in their best interest. I'm not going to yell at you, but I just want you to know, you know, blah blah blah. Whereas a, a conservative person, you can just be like, "You stupid fuck! That's the dumbest thing you could possibly do. What do you do?" Right? Like it's different. Different approaches for different people. I see it as um, I'm not yelling at people that want to participate. I'm yelling at people who want to believe I'm wrong and their shit is going to the moon and they're promoting it. (laughs) That's who I yell at. It's like, you can go do whatever you want. I I believe in freedom of choice and I believe the market should experiment with shit coins all day long. It's the promoting of them. It's the equating of them yeah. to Bitcoin that I can't Jim, stand. There's Jim just is no hitting equation. on it. No, you're right there. Jim is hitting no, on it. We, know, should I, not I be, we should not be upset with people who are trading shit coins who are caught up in the hype, blah, blah, blah. But the peop- this is the line in the sand for me. The people who are promoting shit coins, yes, I do have a fucking problem with you. I have a big fucking problem with you and we're going to have it out in front of everybody, you know? That should be the line in the sand for everybody. You talk about like purity tests being sort of endless. Well, that's a pretty clear distinction. I think everybody can agree that is an uh, immoral behavior and that needs to be rooted out by whatever means necessary. Fuck you, Chamath. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, well, I tell you the weird one on Chamath was the BitClout thing. I just did not understand why you would go and create such an obvious, stupid system. Like, I get I get the idea of creating, that. it looked to me like a modern-day fan club, right? You create a walled garden to create content for fans, blah, blah, blah. But to yeah. wrap a stupid shit coin in it the way they did uh, and, and release it without actually getting permission from anyone and then clearly load up the value of themselves and their friends, it was just so poorly thought through and lacks so much self-awareness that I thought it was quite staggering. Do you know what I've heard from really rich people is essentially this. They had to sit on the sideline in 2017 during the ICO boom because they knew that all of the ICOs were illegal security offerings, every single one of them. And they all had too much money to get you know the regulatory heat, the scrutiny that would come with their investments in those projects. So this time around, they have new structures that aren't illegal securities offerings, right? This is why JPEGs are trading for $69 million. You know what I mean? Because the rich participants who, who had to sit on the side last time are going to be damned if you know, they're kept out of grifting money uh, from you know, retail investors this time around. That's what they do. That's their bread and butter. You know? uh, and now would, they have legal structures that allow it. I would speculate that Chamath and his buddies who created BitClout uh, were looking for another subversive way to obfuscate the facts 
and position themselves to win big at the expense of other people who will never do their homework and will simply uh, uh, go off the reputation of the person they believe is an honest uh, investor just trying to help them learn some stuff and clue them into something. You know, when he promotes BitClout, he is pumping his own bags, and I bet most people wouldn't know that. Now, I, I would, without knowing the actual facts, I would um, be willing to bet that if you dug deep enough that most of his business deals have similar metrics behind them. He finds ways to use regulatory capture, words on paper written by governments that give uh, uh, benefits to some corporations over others that allow for investments to be made by only certain people and not others. And when you can be, when you can play at that level, you get to steal money from un unwearing people all over the world that have no idea you're getting their, their investment money. Uh, they just think you're a great guy trying to point them to the future. And, real, and you realize the future came and went, and uh, you're just picking up the pieces from all those idiots that didn't see what you got to see because you're on the inside. And this is what all the big wigs get. This is what all the rich people get because they're closest to the money spigot because the entire fucking system is broken because the motherfuckers who print money out of thin air and steal our productivity in the process, right? Everything, I th I think, everything I th is broken because of it. I knew Chamath was intellectually disingenuous when he posted that thread on Twitter about inflation being helpful for the poor. Unbelievable. He knows, he knows that's Fucking not accurate. Insane. He knows inflation helps the rich. You know why? Because the rich own assets and asset inflation is what's caused by money printing. So the rich get richer. Meanwhile, the poor only own their labor and labor is stagnant. You know what I mean? So they get left behind. Putting out a thread like that is just, you're such a piece of shit to do that. I think anyone who's successful and has built a profile up, one of the most important things they can do is find somebody who sits alongside them and is willing to call them out privately and keep an eye on what they're doing. Like I have it with my sound engineer, Danny. We have a very honest and open relationship. I'm like, Danny, if I'm pushing it too far, if I'm trolling too hard, if I'm being a bit of a dick, you know, you've got to tell me and try and rein me in. Like everybody needs that. And what seemed like, I actually take, take it back whatever period, maybe it's six months or a year. I actually quite like listening to Chamath in interviews. There was things he said I was like, that's really smart. That's really interesting. I kind of like that without knowing too much about him. Same. And then yeah, he seemed same. to get, this, yeah. And then his profile seemed to shut up and he went through a period where it was kind of like, uh, I, the kind of thing, he became very vocal on governance ideas regarding the city. Uh, uh, I think it was like um, um, San Francisco and became very vocal on a number of issues. And he was seeing a lot of likes and retweets. And I think he's got like a million followers. And I think perhaps he's lacking that person who's like pulling him in and saying, look, hold on, dude. You really need to be thinking about what you're saying. Um, you know, this isn't coming across well. And I think a lot of people need to think about having that person in their life. And he seems, I think he seems to be missing that. One of the things I was like, I don't always like talking about people. So, I mean, I doubt he'll listen to this, but I would actually rather do a face-to-face -face with him and talk about this with him. Uh, and I think that would be a good interview to do at some point. But... But I think there's another thing going on, Jim, where you talk about this. I think there must be like an ego competition within Silicon Valley where like I don't think BitClout is just about making more money. Like when you're a billionaire, how much more do you need? I think part of it is an ego about creating the next big thing. 
like Jack Dorsey has created Square, you know, Twitter, whole bunch of stuff. Elon Musk has created uh, uh, SpaceX and Tesla and the Boring Company. I'm wondering if he's thinking more legacy, right? Well, if we get this BitCloud thing right, it might be a com- Twitter competitor. We might take down to. I might have. I might have put my line in the sand and done yeah. something here, like create his legacy. That's true. I don't think I don't think he's in it for the money anymore. But I just think there is like a group of people there in, in Silicon Valley who are. There's another thing going on here as well. I was talking about this last night with Jack Mallers. The thing about Bitcoin is you have skin in the game. Uh, sorry, I have skin in the game. Uh, Jim, you do. Uh, Hoddle, you do. We've all got skin in the game. It's really important for us for Bitcoin to succeed because we've got so much of our net wealth tied up in it. Uh, if Bitcoin just suddenly crashed, that would be very, very damaging to us. Chamath can hold way more Bitcoin than all of us and then also hold billions of dollars in investments and in the bank. Bitcoin fails. Materially, his life isn't going to change that much. Yeah. So he can f- just fucking go and do other things. Like, this is important for us, for our family and our future. And I think there's a couple, that's another dynamic going on as well. Well, I think a lot of the VCs have taken the scattershot approach that they take in venture capital investing, where mm. you know they put money into every bucket, and then whichever one is the winner, uh, you know, it, it's going to have a winner take all effect because all network. That's how network effects operate, right? Um, and so then you know they guarantee themselves in the winner. And I think for those of us who are uh, smaller in terms of capital allocation size, you know, we we it behooves us to actually do the work and pick the winners. Uh, and see who's actually going to make it, right? Whereas if you're a richer investor, you can sit above it and just invest in everything. Yeah. Um, uh, with uh, what you said about Silicon Valley folks trying to one up each other, and you know, because they don't really need the money, I I think I would agree with that. Uh, but if you got that kind of money and you want to be respected, you can take the time to build something that provides real value to real people. You can also be completely transparent about exactly how you benefit by it, exactly how it works, exactly what the benefit is people are going to get. I mean, they basically, with that BitCloud, they basically front-ran famous people by creating accounts for people that didn't join the the, uh, the platform and then reaching out to them and say, hey, you already got some BitCloud tokens. You just got to go claim them. Basically, get people suckered into retweet out that this is a great platform because of, you know, what, greed, you know, like give the rich guy a little bit more money, a little bit more, you know, spotlight on his fading career maybe or whatever the angle might be. But, you know, there's so much obfuscation in the way that was built. Like if you got millions and billions and you really don't need the money, why bother creating bullshit? Mm-hmm. I just cannot fathom. Just go on vacation. Just go live your life. Leave everybody else alone. Why are you doing this? All right, if your ego's that big, build something of well, value. It's a real temptation they put out to people as well. I don't know if you went went onto it, Hoddle, and, and had a look and see what your account was. Well, your account's always getting fucking banned. Uh, but like, I went <laughs> onto mine, and there's one point my account was worth sixty thousand dollars, right? Like, there's sixty thousand dollars. You see, it's absolutely without. I'm happy to admit, I looked at that and thought, Jesus, what if that became $200,000? Like, I can cash that out. And buy another $200,000. I could buy four, buy another rest of my, yeah, buy two. I could, or I could buy four 
for more Bitcoin? Like, and where is the ethical line in that? Should I do that? Shouldn't I do well, that? Well, the ethical line is you you post on Twitter, this is insane bullshit, but all I got to do is claim this by tweeting. So I'm going to tweet out, but I don't mean any of it. So here we go. Everybody watch. I'm going to take this money and all you idiots who put it up there, it's coming to me now. So don't be an idiot and do this well, again. Thought- I'm going to show you how stupid this is. I'm going to go claim my money and I'm and I'm doing it out in the public, right? And then let them shut you down and prevent you from doing it and, and point how bad their scam actually is or they let you take it and then you continue to trash them forever about such bullshit that they created. But I got rich off of it. But all you other fools are just being played. That's what you could do. That keeps your integrity well, and yeah. gets you the money. Well, I thought I could give the. I thought a big Bitcoiners could actually go and essentially all go and claim theirs and then donate it all to open source dev and just suck the money out and give it to and Bitcoiners. You could, and that would increase your integrity even higher. Take the money and give it away, especially if you may not need it. So there yeah. you go. That's how you deal with this shit. I, I think I, it would be great to have the conversation with Chamath. And, and not in a hostile way. Just put these things to him to see what see what his actual defense would be. I would I would definitely be interested in seeing that. I'd be interested, but I don't think he'd be genuine. I think he'd try to play you. I think he thinks he's smarter than everybody else because he's got so much money. I well, think most rich people do think that about themselves. Well, to be fair, Jim, he is smarter yeah. than Peter. He would totally grease <laughs> Peter. He he might have a higher Dude. IQ than all of us. I have no idea, but I don't think he's an honest yeah. man. So I don't yeah, care if he's I, smarter. I, I think everyone I interview is smarter than me, so that's really not saying anything, dude. <laughs> I think I could weed some questions out of him, but hey, Peter, I, I still um, would like to do it at some point. For all the flack you yep. get from a lot of people on Twitter, you're not a dumb man, all right? You've, you've done something that I wish I could have done. You've created a business in the Bitcoin space where all you have to do is fucking talk all day. You don't have to lug tools it, around like I do. You don't have to get, well, you might have to, you have contracts with people, so you've had to sell yourself. But people people are paying you to do this, right? I mean, I, 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 I want to be very clear why I'm here today, because I'm going to get some flack from some plebs out there that think I shouldn't have come on this show. I already got mm-hmm. pushback. People told me, I hope I never see you go on his show. And I think to myself, okay, whatever, dude, I'm not here for you, okay? And the reason I'm on here is for me. Right? If you get some ratings and you get some more money, great. Because as far as I'm concerned, you're putting value out there, right? You give it to me for free. Every I listen to almost every single podcast because I learn stuff from your guests. Sometimes I laugh at you because you come across really stupid sometimes, but I don't <laughs> give a shit. You ask great questions many, many times. So I've learned a ton by your guests. And I'm hoping that me being on here brings value to somebody else. That's why I'm here, because I want to bring value in the Bitcoin ecosystem. And I'd love to earn a living doing it one day. But right now, I build houses for a living, been doing it for three decades. Uh, I am slowly uh, inching towards retirement and liquidating everything. I've got a plan already in motion. Uh, and so maybe one day I can simply talk about Bitcoin all day and people will pay me. That'd be great. So for all you people out there listening, I'm for hire. <laughs> well, listen, there's a, there's, a few, there's a few things to unpack there. Firstly, thank you for uh, saying that and, and listening to the show uh, regularly. I appreciate that. Um, and if you wanted to do something like this, I'll help you. I mean, you, you just set up a podcast. Uh, I'll talk you through everything I've known and what I've created and you could go and create that Jim and and I think you've got you've got a moment in time right now where if you did it people would be listening you've your profile's just suddenly gone up and you never uh, yeah. know someone it's might crazy. start sponsoring you so look if you want to do that 
you hit me up anytime and I'll share everything I've known. In terms of like saying stupid things, of course, I made a decision when I started this podcast. I was going to learn in public. I was going to be completely transparent, not fake it till you make it. This is what I know. This is what I don't know. This is what I struggle with. This is where I think you're wrong. I've stuck to my guns on that. And there are a lot of people who hate that, but there are also a lot of people who like that. And I think it works as a show. Um, so look, it is, it is what it is. Uh, I, I don't, no, it's not saying I regret a lot. <laughs> but like, <laughs> I'm, I stand by my decision to make a show that was going to be that way. And, and it's never going to change. It doesn't matter how much people yell at me, it's never going to change. And, you know, I just look at the shows I make with Shinobi, right? They are not the most downloaded. You know, people want to see Bitcoin to the moon. They want to hear Lynn Alden. They want to hear Willy Woo, right? My, Willy, my last Willy Woo show did 140,000 downloads. My last Shinobi one did 25,000. But I do the Shinobi ones every week because the, the, the slight difference between those two shows is despite it doing like a sixth of the Willy show, it gets the most emails that come to me. So that gets the most response where people say, I love that. I didn't understand how UTXOs work. I get it a bit more now. So look, I stand by it. People can yell at me all they want. I like, I absolutely fucking stand by it um, uh, because I don't make a show for the guests and I don't make a show for the people who don't listen, who yell at me. I make a show for the people who do listen. And when they stop, when they stop listening or they say you're getting it wrong, then, then things will change. Yeah, I would have to say that our learning... Uh trajectory has been very similar. That is, uh, I started looking at this space uh, late 2016. Uh, I found your podcast very early. Uh, when you, right after you had launched it, I maybe missed a couple dozen episodes. I don't, I'm not sure, but um, I realized the that some ones. of the, well, I missed the Craig Wright one. I never went back to listen. Uh, you know, the whatever. <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, I was I needed to get the answers to a lot of the questions you were asking. So you were one of my resources. Your podcast, uh, Adam Meister, was always helpful to me. Um, the uh, World Crypto Network with Thomas Hunt. Uh, he had a lot of great guests, a lot of people that have uh, come through his space. And, and Tone Vase's uh, uh, podcast, a, a lot of smart people that I've, I've gotten to listen to. When, when, he, when he was on every day with Jimmy Song and Giacomo Zucco, I felt like I was in university, you know, listening to those guys. So, um, you know, without without their free content, without their, you know, deep explanations of stuff, uh, I, there's no way I would have the conviction I have, you know. And then I took that mm. and I took it as far as I had to. I went and learned every random related thing I could. I, I read dozens and dozens of white papers of shit coins wanting to believe something was going to be worth it. Um, wanting to see how were they going to do this a little different that this is really worth something. And I couldn't find it ever. And it was, wait, am I not understanding this or are they just blowing up smoke uh, people's asses over here, you know? And I'd go back to the technical arguments. I'd go back to the podcast and just go, I, I got to reconfirm what, what it is I learned here. And so I couldn't even buy Bitcoin for six months. I watched the price almost triple. And I thought, what am I doing? Am I in this or not? What the fuck? I didn't know what to do. But I, I had to get over a hump. I had to know that I was right, at least Believe deep down in my heart that I was right, that I did my homework, and that I was, uh, uh, I, oh. And then I started telling people, and they all thought I was nuts. And I was like, I don't care. I've done the homework, you haven't. And I'm still here over four years later, and I know it was uh, one of the best decisions of my life. Not to mention the amount of genuine friends that I now have in this world that are real people compared to the fake friends. A lot of them, and I've had some great friends in my life, but 
Most of the people I know around me are fake, unfortunately. And they're nice people, and I get along great with them, but they don't see the world correctly. They believe in the state. They vote all the time. Whatever, all this stuff that's normal activity that's just a lot of fakeness created by the fiat money system. So, Well, again, there's, there's a lot more to unpack there. Uh, again, I mean, like one of the things I will say, like uh, I've said this before, but like one of the little secrets is, is that sometimes I ask questions I know the answer to because... Uh, every show could have a new person listening who doesn't understand that. So people are like, oh, you've been doing this for four years and you still don't get this shit. It's like because it still needs explaining to the person who it might be their first show they're listening to. No, Nobody is harmed by a basic question being asked. Other times I do just struggle with it. I'm definitely a more creative person and a hoddle having worked in the film industry will know that some people are, especially on set, he'll know some people are technical and great with technical equipment. They couldn't, they couldn't. Uh, creatively think through a storyline and vice versa. That's just the world we live in. I'm on the create, creative side. But I've learned so much. Uh, I, I've learned so much from like Marty Bent's daily, pretty much daily email is my best resource for learning from. We've all got different resources that we use and that we learn from. And I think we're just so blessed that we have this such range of broad content in the space. You know, if you want basic stuff, you've got mine. If you want more um, Austrian economics, you've got Stefan Levera. If you want more technical, you've got uh, Marty and uh, Matt O'Dell. You know, um, if you want just like really good philosophical uh, readings, you've got Gigi, you've got Breedlove, like fucking destroying it. Like we've got such a broad range of content that suits whatever potential Bitcoiner you are, whatever place you are in your journey that's available to you and I think I think that's actually a, a really fucking good thing and, you and, just and it's summarized good that we're not it. all the same cheerleading you you summarized it though that's that's what you have to learn to really get this you have to do a little bit in all those disciplines or you're never going to see the real big picture here but that's what I've done that's what we've all done Next up, I talk to American Hoddle and Jim more about Bitcoin. But before that, I do have a message from my amazing show sponsors. Okay, let's kick off with sportsbet.io. With Miami coming, we have the competition coming. We are giving away a Lambo, but there's a bonus side to this giveaway. All the details are being sorted. Hopefully, I think there's a chance we might give away in Miami, but I will have to check that out. Now, sportsbet.io is the best place for gaming, and they do accept Bitcoin. They love Bitcoin. They put a Bitcoin logo on the front of a Premier League shirt. They are doing everything they can to support Bitcoin. Now, with sportsbet.io, you do also have every market you could possibly be interested in. If you want to bet on Tottenham losing, you won't get good odds, by the way, because Tottenham is shit. But if you want to bet on Tottenham losing, you can. Tennis, American sports, motorsports, even esports. They cover every sport you can think of. And they always have a range of promotions available. If you want to find out more, head over to sportsbet.io forward slash promotions, which is S-P-O-R-T-S. BET.io forward slash promotions. Next up is Exus Wallet, who I am using as my mobile and desktop wallet. Now, as you know, I've talked about this a lot. Lloyd's Bank closed down my bank accounts. Became a bit of a problem. But I had been increasingly moving my company to a Bitcoin company, getting paid in Bitcoin and paying in Bitcoin. I'm even thinking about how I can get the business to be 100% Bitcoin. Some challenges around that, but I am thinking about that. Now, I did need a good wallet for managing my Bitcoin transactions for the business and keeping a record for my accountant. So when Exodus reached out to me, I checked out the wallet. I was like, this is pretty cool. This does everything I need. So I was happy to sign up. But if you want to check it out, please head over to exodus.com or search for Exodus in the Google or Apple app stores. And that is E-X-O-D-U-S. And lastly today, but never least, is Casa, the very best in Bitcoin security. It has been a great year for Bitcoin. It's going to be an even greater year for Bitcoin. And if you've been increasing your stack 
or if you've been making some good gains and you haven't got your custody and sorted, if you're using a single wallet or leaving on an exchange, it might be the time to think about Casa. And I know what you're thinking, do I really need this? Isn't this going to be a pain to set up? Maybe some of you are like, I have no idea what a multi-sig wallet is and I don't know how I will do this. I know, I know, I know. Listen, I had all the same questions, but honestly, it could not have been easier to set up and you get so much peace of mind by having a Casa multi-sig solution because a multi-sig wallet allows you to custody your Bitcoin, but you only move Bitcoin by signing transactions from multiple wallets, ones which you can distribute into different locations, which protects you from a range of errors, mistakes, and vulnerabilities. If you want to ask more about this, you can reach out to me. Some people have been doing this. I will always get back to you. Just hit me up on my email or DM me on Twitter and I will reply to any questions you have. There is no better time to upgrade your Bitcoin security and get total peace of mind. If you want to find out more, head over to keys.casa, which is K-E-Y-S dot C-A-S-A. One of the things I was going to say is that I think also what, what we're missing, which I, and I've lost my own objectivity sometimes with this, is that, and again, it's a conversation I had with my engineer recently, is that, um, sometimes you can end up cheerleading Bitcoin too much uh, as a content creator, and then you lose your objectivity and you're not prodding and poking. Like, I took my laser eyes away on Twitter because I was like, shit, I'm just cheerleading this now. And I'm not sitting back and going, hold on, there's tough questions we need to ask. Like, I'll give you a really good uh, topic of conversation that I love getting into because it's the state. And the reason I like getting into the idea of the state is because I'm not an anarchist and I don't believe in anarchy beyond theory. I think the theory of anarchy is great. I think there's people out there who can uh, who, who who have a theory behind communism which thinks it's great. I don't there's two things with the state. I I don't think it's going away. I think it can change, but I also don't believe in a world with no state. That doesn't mean I like the state, it doesn't mean I'm a cuck. I just think that's like the natural organization of humans to have some kind of centralized. You know this hodl, we've text about this. We have some kind of centralized governance, a way of organizing people. So rather than just go, it's anarchy or nothing, I'd rather debate the idea of the state. How do you make it better? How do you improve it? Like, should you vote? Shouldn't you vote? I mean, you're laughing, hodl, but we've talked about this. No, I mean, my personal uh, philosophy is that you know Bitcoin is akin to the printing press and the way the printing press uh, dematerialized uh, the church and the power of the church. And I do think that Bitcoin, over time, will uh, you know dematerialize the power of the state and it will distribute it and it will be less centralized. Um, but this is going to be a really long process. So the idea that the state will collapse next year, 10 years from now, 50 years from now, I don't, I don't see it happening. I think that we're going to have to be realist and pragmatist, no matter how libertarian or uh, you know maybe if you're an uh, anarcho-capitalist, you know what I mean. Like it is a bit of a meme ideology, but fuck it, memes change the world. You know what I mean. Like ultimately, I think that's the direction that we're heading, but we're not living in that world now. And if you, uh, I don't know, it, it, it's like there are compromises as we go. Through our day, I mean, everybody who's on Twitter being like, <laughs> the, the dumbest one is the people who are, you know, like LARPing about we're going to take down the state, and then all they do is, you know, fucking make fun of Peter for, you know, for whatever reason. It's like, all right, you've aimed all your ire at one, you know, pudgy podcaster in Britain who has no power. You know what I mean? Like that. What a fucking pathetic LARP that is compared to like we're going to take down the state. You're not doing shit. You know what I mean? Like, none of us are. This is bigger than us. And it's bigger than even, like, whatever collective power you have together. You know, like, it's going to take a really long time to have a change of that magnitude. You know, humanity has these sort of different, like, 
Leviathans, right? And like at first it was God, and then it was the church, and then it was the state. And I think the, the one that we're heading into will be the network. And the network will be the new uh, Leviathan uh, that, you know, is sort of the coordination mechanism uh, for human, you know, life, essentially. But it's well, they, 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 it's, but it's good it's to debate it. Yeah, I think just the binary state, no state, it, it kind of misses the point that we're, we're stuck with the state, right? It's, it's here for now. Like, yeah. how do we improve things? What do we stand up for? What do we stand against? Should you vote? Shouldn't you? I mean, someone criticized you, uh, Hoddle, for voting, but you said you voted for lower taxes. Like, like they, these are yeah, important fuck, things I want to discuss. If, yeah, but if we just make it binary, like, if you... Unless you're an anarcho-capitalist and you want complete destruction of the state immediately, then you're a cut. Go fuck yourself. I think it's just a waste of time. Like there's there's nothing that can be achieved with that. I think it's important to get into these topics. Plus, another thing that's important to consider is like people are different. Like you and I, we speak the same language, but America is very, very different from Europe. Like very yep. different. And 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 the majority of the leading Bitcoiners are. American or based in America. And that leads a lot of the narrative. Like a lot of the Bitcoin narrative feels very much uh, American libertarian narrative. But there are Bitcoin voices in Europe that have a slightly different approach, slightly different, like, well, very different opinions. And it's this marketplace of ideas that, that we should be working through. We should debate it, be debating. So that's my, that's my shout on that. But yeah, I, Jim, I, mean, I did I say, because I'm like, gone. I feel very libertarian. That's That's my personal you know, sort of political ideology. Like, I, I definitely lean libertarian right. Um, but the problem with being a libertarian is that no one else is. And so you have to live in this world full of non-libertarians that always want to coerce you into doing this and that, right? So, like, you make concessions as you go through your life as a libertarian. It's kind of a shitty political ideology to, <laughs> to be, really. You know, it would probably be better to be a desperate statist. Although the silver lining for us is we have Bitcoin, you know. Libertarian principles are the default human perspective. It's just that people have been indoctrinated away from that through fiat education, through the government school system. So they don't know that they should be libertarian. They don't even know what it is. But when you explain it uh, and they can visualize it, they realize that pretty much everybody's libertarian. They don't want to be ruled by others. They don't want to be taxed away. Uh, people that say they have a claim on your productivity for what reason? Uh, they're supposed to represent us, but they don't. They control us now. It's it's gone way too far. And again, you know, mm. this all ties back to the money. I see the state disappearing over time down to very tiny collectives of people that manage themselves in smaller groups. And I see that happening because the incentive of Bitcoin. The vision I see is that as each individual... Per let me back it up for a second. What is government? What is the state? Just a collection of people, right? All humans, all individuals, every single human on the planet, every single day of their lives makes thousands of decisions to remove current and future uneasiness. That is a motherfucking selfish perspective. Damn it. How do people, how are they so damn selfish to only look out for themselves? And yet we all do it. It's natural. You make decisions every day to remove your own current or future uneasiness. This is a, a founding principle of Austrian economics. This is what all humans do. It's programmed into us. And so every human will always want to do this. So they learn what this Bitcoin thing is. You got somebody like Cynthia Lummis, who's now in the Congress. She gets it. She She's never going to quit Bitcoin. She's never going to uh, you, you know, not try to make this thing be successful, as will every other individual one at a time. 
regardless of where they are. Now, we need a whole bunch of idiot old people to just die, right? So if the younger generation who's willing to look at this thing, who's not already rich, who says, wait a minute, I'm looking out for myself, I need to get this. Little by little by little, all the incentives will change. When the money the enforcers get paid is worthless compared to that Bitcoin they bought a few years ago, they will quit. They will stop enforcing bullshit rules by their overlords for the benefit of their overlords and not them. You see, the incentives change when everybody sees that they can control their own finances and their own futures, all right? And that's what Bitcoin gives everybody. So the state will disappear. I say regularly it's going to take two generations. I hope I'm wrong, but I just think that's what it's going to take, 20 to 40 years. Well, listen, Jim, we had this conversation uh, offline beforehand, um, and I'm conscious of time, but I have a uh, fractured relationship with the plebs, let's say. (laughs) I have some I get up with, some that uh, hate me. But I did say, you can come on and ask any question you want. Like, you, you bring anything you want, any questions you want, you can bring them to the table. We uh, had that conversation beforehand. Uh, I don't. I don't have any specific questions right now. I. I do want to say one thing. You mentioned something about being an interviewer, and sometimes mm-hmm. you know the answer to the question. Um, I think that's very good. I think the best interviewers know the answers to all their questions. Like a lawyer never asks a question he doesn't already know the answer to. Uh, The point is that the more studied you are on your subject, the better of an interviewer you will be because you will draw out the real facts. And so your interviews have gotten better because you yourself have gotten smarter. And it's those interviews where you didn't know when or how to push back that you got the most flack from, as far as I could tell. Because people are saying, you're such an idiot. You don't know what you're talking about. You should have called them on this, that, or the other thing. Okay, well, I'm just not there yet. What am I going to do? So I see your effort as genuine. I don't hate you like a lot of the plebs do. Uh, I think you've made a ton of mistakes. Uh, but I don't trash talk you like some of the people I actually like and who are probably going to trash talk me for being here. But you, you have way They're too definitely many. definitely going to trash talk wait, you. Wait, wait, wait. You have way too many respectable guests on your show. If they can be on here... I can lower myself to be on here too, if that's what someone wants to call it. I don't care. Uh, I am here for me, okay? I'm not here for you. I'm not here for HODL. I'm here for me. I want people to get that I'm genuine. I'm who I am. I'm not going to bullshit you, right? If you find any value in what I say, that's why I'm here. Like I said, I... I've been pretty successful in my business all these years. I'm going to be okay. I don't really need to work for the rest of my life, but I enjoy it. And one of the things, let me just, a little small tangent here. I realized a long time ago that I'm actually a teacher. I started a business, I'm building homes, and all along the way, I'm teaching every new employee, I'm teaching every customer, I'm teaching my suppliers about things. I'm constantly having to explain things to everybody. I know how an entire house gets built. I know what the plumbers have to do, the electricians, the roofers. I know everything about every aspect of how to build a house. Except for new stuff that comes out, I know what's going on here. So I teach people all the time. So when I get into this thing like Bitcoin, I come to the realization I know a lot more than a lot of other people. So I think I'd be a very good teacher. 
And so I want to use my voice to help other people get the knowledge they need to make the right decisions. That's why I feel I'm here. That's why, maybe that's why my profile blew up. Maybe that's why I was meant to tweet out a toxic tweet and Chamath was meant to be a dickhead to me. And that maybe that's why I'm here. I don't know. You know, fate has its own reasons, but I'm here, okay? Wow. So for those who want to get some value out of it, I'm hoping I can provide some. That's it. Well, you need to, you need to start your show. That's for sure. Oh, well, um, I was going to say so something earlier, but I've been reached, I was reached out to by another podcaster who I respect who wanted to do a collaboration with me. And we, I, I'm definitely willing to. So I'm going to see where that goes. Maybe I will have definitely do that. a partnership with somebody. We'll see. You're going to get some shit, though, for not holding my feet to the fire. Like, by the way, well, what was I supposed his, to uh, hold your feet to the fire? I, I complained about you. I said what I need to say about I th how I think you're, you've done your thing. I don't have much to complain about. But, Hod but Hoddle had it since it came out that he was uh, an employee of what Bitcoin did. and was. I saw all that. That was weird. <laughs> Dude, here's the, th here's the thing, Peter. This, this like secret plan you have where you bring on like quote unquote plebs and then you, know, you sort of patch up the relationship with the plebs. It's not going to work. work. It's not going to work. All it's going to do is anybody who's considered a quote-unquote pleb and they come on this podcast, uh, they're going to get jumped uh, like Jim or banished. like myself. They're yeah, get so like it, it, you just took, you're like an anti-pleb centrifuge. You know what I mean? You like turn yeah, but plebs into non-plebs. This is my secret plan, dude. <laughs> this, this is how I... Uh, this is oh, how you're I, trying to de-plebify things? Yeah, I, I thought am, your secret plan is, was just, to worm your way in, you know? No, 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 no. So when I had like my... Like the status uh, cuck you are. On MI6. Yeah, when I had my last, yeah, when yeah. I had my last meeting with MI6 before I <laughs> jet off to El Salvador, <laughs> one of the instructions was as I need to break down the pleb movement because you know spooks, we see them as quite dangerous. And so we came up with this strategy is that one by one I'll win them over and cause the uh, the pleb movement to self-destruct. And it's working. I mean, look, Hodo, I saw you, you can't, uh, fighting you with can't, uh, angry you can't kill it. You can't kill it because the pleb movement is a movement of truth. It's, I don't know, man. It feels like it's self-destruction uh, sometimes. No. It's like a race the plebs, to the bottom. The plebs <laughs> are the people who are really searching for truth, in my opinion. That's what I see. They're regular folks who find the signal through the noise and they can't stand the noise anymore. And they're not well known for the most part. Neither was I. Nobody knew who I was a, a year ago or L six months listen, ago or two months ago. Here's what's going on. The, the, you know, Bitcoin Twitter is a standing army and the dopamine rations are low at the moment because there hasn't been a price pump <laughs> in a while. And so when the dopamine rations are low, the army will fight to keep their skills sharp. That's all that's going on at the moment. You know what I mean? By the way, there's nothing Fight. more cringe than to define what, what the plebs are or speak on behalf of the plebs. You know what I mean? There is no... Uh, there's no... Nothing. That's what the king of the plebs would say. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> is that you, Hoddle? So are listen, you considered you the king? <laughs> God, no. God, no. Uh. I think Dieter Bob. I think Dieter Bob is the king. Yeah, well, I don't want to be a representative or a spokesperson for plebs either. I have my own impression of what I think it means, uh, and uh, it may or may not be correct. It is what it is. Well, Dieter, listen, you know, you could always just stop saying useful. stupid. You could just stop saying stupid shit at any point. You know what I mean? Like you could just stop trolling <laughs> on Twitter at any point. Why would I do to. that? Well then, then why would know, I stop doing that? Everyone you else doesn't have it. a fractured relationship, like you said. I just think British <laughs> British trolling is just a lot more subtle. You just and, uh, you know that end. everything you say is pissing people off. Like what was the tweet you made and then you told me your Twitter was unusable? Oh, you getting the fucking vaccine. You were like, now nah, my Twitter's unusable. It's like, yep, yeah, no shit. No shit. You did you know what I mean? You posted this on Bitcoin Twitter. <laughs> 
<laughs> like, you, you knew it was going to Yeah, but in fairness, you knew I was, was wearing a tinfoil. I was wearing a tinfoil hat. Like, yeah, that's good. I did try and make it as, as like sarcastic as possible. But I mean, I tell you, it's a very different. When you guys are asleep, Twitter's a very different experience in the mornings when it's just. It's just like, hello, Governor. Would you like a spot of tea? It's very, yeah, it's very simple. Well, actually, <laughs> you say that. Terrible. I just got tweeted Fuck by that. No, dude, I did just get tweeted by Yorkshire Tea, which is, uh, you know, one of those moments where you, uh, you know, you feel like you've made it. But listen, look, this is all useful information for MI6. Um, so I appreciate you, you coming <laughs> Peter, on. Peter, can, can I ask this, you a uh, personal question here about yeah, getting got, the jab? Uh, have you really yeah. not looked into the counter arguments against the ridiculous? Um, monopoly created by governments that three or four companies get to mix up a bunch of chemicals, make billions of dollars promoting. Like, do you re- did you really need it? You're a young, healthy guy, it seems to me. Like, Not they that really got to you that far <laughs> that you felt the risk was worth taking the chemical? You have no idea. Two years from now, you might have three fucking ears or some shit. Like, Jim, what the fuck? Jim, Peter is a desperate status cuck who likes being penetrated Definitely. by the state. I mean, it's so obvious. <laughs> Jim, honestly. Penetrated. You, there you, you go. You you should have seen the, the the chemicals I put in me about eight years ago. Yeah, um, but dude, I that's different. Any, I, mean, that's I different. Never give a you shit. almost could trust those chemicals better, dude. I'm sorry. <laughs> so look, look, of course I look I looked into it all. Of course I looked into it. I didn't just go and get a jab without thinking about it. I read everything, both sides of both arguments. I spoke to um, doctors, I spoke to uh, immunologists. Like, I, I did my research, right? And in the end, I was like, of course there is a risk, but there is low risk. There's a lot of misinformation out there uh, regarding whether this is gene therapy, whether it's been properly tested. Look, it's a global pandemic. Of course it's been it's been rushed. But I did my research, and to me, you know, hundreds of millions of doses have been issued, and a very, very low number of uh, side effects and potential deaths from it. Like, none of those are great. But I've been out to the US, right, and the really strange things, you put on the TV, and, like, every, like, second advert is for some drug, and at the end, they have that, like, really fast-spoken bit at the end where they go, and by the way, if you take this, your leg might fall off, and you but like, all the kind of, like, conditions, (laughs) right? All drugs have side effects, right? All of them do. You know, you can go to a hospital and your wife can have a baby and she can have an epidural. That can have a side effect, okay? that All drugs, all different things have side effects. That's the reality of drugs. I did the research and I would like, I'm happy to have taken the, the vaccine. But I also believe if you don't want to take it, you shouldn't. And certainly exactly. I wouldn't have my kids vaccinated, but I'm 42, right? And I want to go and see my dad, who I've not seen in 15 months. And if this means I can go and see my dad, that is again another risk I want to take. Um, that, so, that's yeah. fair. You, you've made the decision and you've decided to take the trade-offs and, and accept the risk. Um, it's unfortunate, though, that I think way too many people are just taking the TV narrative and have no clue what they're doing. And some people are severely affected by it, and that's unfortunate. And the pharmaceuticals have no um, responsibility, which is the really most unfair part well, of it Of course all. not, though. Look, look, we're in a, it's, again, it's a global pandemic, right? Um, and they're being asked to rush out these drugs. The first thing they're going to request, say, well, hold on a second. We, we, we don't want any risk here. We want all... And they're going to request that, and the government's rushing. That doesn't surprise me. Yo, hold on. Do you think some people will get the vaccine but deny it? Uh, there's definitely people who are doing that on Bitcoin Twitter at the moment, for sure. You know what I mean? Uh, because, you know, people mm. have... There's a lot of social pressure to get this vaccine, depending on what your job is and where you work, and you know, et cetera. And I know people who are very, you know, opposed to it in theory, but then 
the social pressures come and they go, all right. See, I don't do anything. I just hang out at my house. So I have no desire or reason to take it. Uh, so I won't until, you know, much later when it's not mRNA-based or when mRNA is proven safe and effective. I don't have a good, there's not enough data, not enough market data to say either way. You know, you can say it's safe, but you don't know. There's not enough market yeah, data. Yeah. I, I think Peter, you fair. called it a pandemic. I call it the the, the most, uh, the largest hum- ruse on all of humanity ever perpetrated by governments the world over. Because the statistics that I see uh, show no substantial increase in overall deaths, no substantial risk to anybody under the age of 80. Um, I think it's been jacked up all over the place for political reasons, uh, corporate finance reasons to cover up the uh, the finance crisis that's going on, the money printing, all of this. Uh, I don't think the collateral damage means anything to these people. The destruction of businesses all over the place, the destruction of lives, the the stealing of years, thousands, b- millions of years of people's lives. People that didn't get to graduate, go to their senior proms, Kids that have that are just starting to recognize the world and everybody's face is covered. They don't get social cues. The amount of psychological damage that's going to get created by this is monumental. It can never be measured. There is so much mm-hmm. negative consequences to this because the real facts were never allowed to be debated in public. The narratives against the scamdemic or the virus or any of this have been suppressed beyond Ridiculous, beyond ridiculous. And it's all because the narrative is controlled by the money printers at the very top. They want this to play out the way it's playing out. They want the people in control and always scared. I mean, just V for Vendetta says it all. They want to control everybody and keep everybody scared. They create bullshit, believe that, that, and, and then, you know, cover it up so that the people think, oh, wow, look at, you know, bad stuff's happening. Meanwhile, it's created. Right? So the ruse was created. There might be a virus that's a little bit worse than the flu, but that's about it. And had it not been hyped up all over creation, not a single mask would have been sold other than the ones that normally would have been sold. Billions of dollars worth of hand sanitizer would not have been sold. The plexiglass industry would not have experienced the gigantic boom it did with stupid barriers at every counter you go to the world over. This is an insane misallocation of resources. The Billions and trillions of dollars that have been spent on stickers on the floor to keep people six feet apart that nobody pays attention to anymore is insane. All that money wasted, wasted. You know what the because of you know, government they, bullshit narratives. When the history books write the chapter on on COVID, I think they're going to talk about this thing because this was the biggest vector of viral transmission. And what was it transmitting? Fear. For the first time in human history, you were able to beam the fear directly into every man, woman, and child in the developed world. And that's a fundamentally new phenomenon. We hadn't had that back during H1N1, for instance, you know? And so I think people just collectively fucking lost their minds. And (laughs) that's essentially what happened. And yeah, it was very convenient. It was very convenient for a lot of people. They, this is so manipulated. They knew they could do it this way. They, these people are very smart. They could see exactly how to use all these tools to their advantage. I th- again, it's like it's one of those subjects that is, I think, is very complicated. But I agree with a lot of what you say. But I do think it's very complicated, and and sometimes I think it's important to get into the nuance of it. So, 
There is certainly, uh, uh, COVID is certainly real. I don't buy into these arguments that it's not real. Uh, it certainly is a, a virus that can kill people. And you know, for a range of different factors that affect you, it could be whether you're you know, old, it could be whether you have diabetes, it could be whether you're overweight. Look, there's a range of different people. But there are also, there are uh, young, healthy people who have also contracted uh, covid uh, and, and died. That that uh, that for me is indisputable. Uh, but I agree with some of the responses and reactions to it have been certainly very damaging. I I think I'm I was I'm sympathetic at the start of the pandemic because the only early evidence we had to go by what was happening in China. And I know we can't trust China, but at the same time, you know, information was leaking out, and we've seen dead bodies drop on the sh- on the street, which wasn't great. And I think I understand why governments took decided to react. I think the biggest problem is none of them, apart from maybe some of the states in the US, none of them realized they should roll with, they had to roll this back. It's almost like they'd gone too far. They couldn't admit, oh, we fucked up here. You know, we, we didn't understand the data correctly. Yes, the lockdowns were too restrictive. Yes, we've done. I think they reacted and then they stuck with it. And I think that became very complicated. The thing is about the data and the evidence is that if you sit in the middle, like I try and do sometimes, you can very easily be swayed by uh, one narrative, which is uh, one direction, one narrative is another direction. You can usually find data and statistics to support a lot of what you potentially believe in. I, I think it's a, uh, I think the COVID situation is complicated, but I absolutely agree that a lot of the reactions were overreactions. I don't, I don't always buy that people just uh, uh, just sit there, rub their hands, and go, "Oh, this is a chance to control the people." I mean, it's you know, somewhere like the UK. Um, it's not a very useful situation for the government to deal with the pandemic. They're almost certainly going to be voted out in the next election uh, because it has been very damaging. Uh, I don't think they're rubbing hands. What I think is it's more down to like how humans operate and humans think, especially people in power, that they make certain decisions which are just fucking stupid. Um, yeah. I, I, tend to, I tend to find that people who work they, in the public sector wouldn't survive in the private sector uh, as they well. They don't need but in the public to. sector. Get behind, no. like get together in a smoky room because they have different uh, social coordination mechanisms that they use. It's the same way, like somebody says something stupid about Bitcoin, we don't need to all coordinate about what our response is going to be. We pretty much know what we're, our response is going to be collectively beforehand, you know, and then we go after that person, right? Same thing, like the wealthy elites mm. know how they're going to respond before they respond, and then something happens and you know they juice it for all of its all its worth really and it's just all the perverse incentives we have in our society like the systems of selective pressures that cause uh basically the the worst cowards in history to be sitting in chairs of influence i mean that's that's one of the major problems you know i mean perverse also, incentives, you have the fact that, that, that like, that's the key point the older generation has been holding on to the reins of power for so long so you do have so many baby boomers and silent generation era like our president is like almost at death's door right i mean it, it's crazy to me uh, because this is a virus that affects that group of people. So they make decisions on behalf of everyone for a virus that affects them, right? Whereas I think if you had a bunch of 40 and 50-year-olds in power, uh, which we should have you know, historically, you would probably had, have had a situation where they said, okay, this seems to disproportionately affect the elderly. Let's quarantine the elderly. Let's put them over yeah. here. Let's affect their life. But the elderly were in power, so they said, let's affect everyone's life because this affects us, Right. Let's talk about the integrity it takes to get to a position of power in the first place. You have to none. You well, you can't have any from the very beginning of your political career. Now you have to you have to 
Bow down to the people who are sending you money. You have to not call out your sponsors. You have to uh, be careful what you, you can't have absolute integrity because you won't get elected. Peter, have you, you ever won't? heard the phrase a steady hand? Uh, explain it to me. I've heard it, but steady hand is a phrase uh, that's that's common on the Beltway in Washington, and it means this person can be trusted to do the wrong thing, to do the thing that we need them to do. That's why they're picked and put in the position in the first place. They're not. They don't get there. The point I was going to make. Again, sometimes we have a bias based on our geography. Like, so I spent, you know, I spent a lot of time in the US. I've looked at US politics a lot, and it's very different from other parts of the world. The lobbying system in the US, I think, is is for me, is a, is a massively perverse way of uh, driving influence. And it's very unusual. But when you say about integrity, there, there are... So I spent a lot of time in Central and South America. I'm in Central America now. I went out to Bolivia. I've been out to Chile. I, I'm in El, you know, El Salvador, as I said. Actually, a lot of people come into power with integrity in these parts of the world. They come as populists. They come in with ideas to support the people. Then they come with ideas of rooting out corruption. But what happens is, yeah, so Bolivia was a great example. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. The men with but the briefcase show up. Well, he wanted to stay in power, so he changed the constitution. You know, things like that happen, and then power uh, 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 corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And what happens is, over time, I think they... Some people, they believe they've done a good thing, they've had a lot, a lot of popular support, and they maybe get some kind of God complex which wants them to continue. But I, I, think, it's, I think it's really important when we talk about these people in power, we don't just look at the, the geography of a single country because I think in a lot of places you do get in with integrity. It's whether you manage to hold on to that integrity, and a lot of people don't. I agree. Uh, I think most people would want to... Uh, maintain a high level of integrity, and many people start out that way. And it's the the time when you the first compromise you make is the beginning of your slippery slope downward. You justify it. You go, oh, it's no big deal. No one's going to find out. Whatever, whatever. And it's just one after the other. And once you're entrenched into the system, you either quit or you adapt to the system, and the system is fundamentally broken. So everybody who stays for any length of time becomes fundamentally broken, loses their integrity, toes the party line, and be, uh, you know, they get in a position of power, and, they, and it's, uh, you know, they're praised by those who like them. It's, a, it's an ego thing. It's a power trip. Uh, they really are in control, and the money starts flowing in their direction, and like all of us, they're looking out for themselves, and they're... Uh, They've compromised their integrity enough times that it doesn't feel bad anymore. And everybody else is doing it. And it's just an entrenched system. It's all because of the broken money, right? It's mm. all because of the broken money. You fix the money and all these incentives change and people become well, more honest. I don't buy into the whole fix the money, fix the world entirely because you're not going to change human nature. Um, but you are going to improve things and you are going to change uh, the, the incentives within the system. I agree with that. But you, it's, it's, like the, it's, it's like this idea of anarcho-capitalism. One of the things I struggle with it is like, how do people... How do people live in that kind of structure, in that kind of society? Do you end up... And, and Stefan Levera sent me a great Mises article, which is why you won't have warlords. But maybe you will. Maybe you have different people who establish power in different ways. I just think sometimes we have to accept that humans are kind of shitty. Like, we are kind of shitty. And we will do shitty things. Even with good or bad money, we will still do shitty things. That's true. Okay. You'll never get rid of stupid, uh, bad people. But their influence will be severely diminished <clears throat> when they have to get value to buy things. 
by providing value first. You can only steal so much from some other people, right? So even the very wealthiest Bitcoiners one day will lose their influence as their Bitcoin gets dispersed, as they buy those things they want to buy, even if it's influence or power. Uh, But the next person who gets that Bitcoin as payment for that favor, they then have to decide how hard do they want to hold on to it. And so it slowly changes everybody's incentives to be evil and mean because they're not going to keep getting paid when they are exposed. Uh, It takes a while, but it will happen. Bitcoin will fix the world. It's just going to take a while, in my opinion. Otto, any closing thoughts? I think it's a good point, man. I, I think, you know, um, Bitcoin is a system where incorrect economic calculation leads to your Bitcoin going away from you. And when your Bitcoin go away from you, they don't ever come back to you. Whereas the current system with the Cantillion effect and the money printing and the bailouts, I mean, you incorrectly economically calculate and the government goes, oh, you poor hedge funder, here's another billion dollars. Like, play again at the casino, essentially. Yeah, that's, and, that's what's wrong. And so, you know, when you have a system that, correctly rewards uh, economic calculation. You do have a system like Jim was talking to uh, that, you know, leads to the most disciplined people, uh, the people with the highest integrity uh, accruing the most value. Like, let's say, for instance, Satoshi is alive. He didn't burn his keys and he still holds them. He is a person of superhuman integrity and discipline, right? And is that not a person that we would all like to see become the wealthiest person in the world? I think I would, for sure, rather than somebody who sort of uh, gamified something or you know figured out how to cozy up to centers of power. I would like to see the person who had the most integrity and discipline uh, hold, wield the most wealth. And I would like to add to that, that if, if this were to play out where he became known and it was obvious he still controlled all those Bitcoins, his influence would only go so far. People would hold his feet to the fire um, he could try to buy any narrative he wanted, but eventually that money would run out. Eventually he would die, his heirs would get it. Those people would have different incentives. They would waste it, they would buy Lambos or whatever. And so that money gets dispersed outward. And only the people with highest integrity providing the most value will will be able to attract that Bitcoin to them. So hey, yo, over just- a long enough period of time, the Bitcoin will end up in the hands of the people with the highest integrity. How great would the I know some high integrity? Slang, how great would the pleb slang of Satoshi be? That would be some Julius Caesar. <laughs> if he fucked up, it would be monumental. Shit, I know it'd be amazing. <laughs> if he came out well, and he like, started wielding his power and his influence, uh, you know, against Bitcoin. Oof, right? God, I would crazy. love to it's stab a, Satoshi in the back. It would be amazing. I, I have to double check <laughs> this, but I, I'm pretty sure it's a song by a Machine Head. But they like they say if. Uh, if Jesus walked the earth again, he would be shot. Um, I think. Uh, Essentially, I, I think. Yeah, I think Satoshi uh, maintains integrity as uh, as a as a myth, as a mythical legend, rather than somebody who walks the earth. Um, if you meet the boot listen, on look, the know, road, I, kill him. Yeah, I, I actually know some high integrity Lambo owners as well, so I, th- I don't think we should uh, discriminate against people just for. for There's plenty of high integrity <laughs> people out there, Peter. I just don't think any of them work in government. Or in shitcoins. No, well, I think I think there are people who work in government who do have integrity. I just think all right, that's that's between, a little but... bit too. Wait, wait a second. Let me let me explain yeah. myself. I I agree. That's not fair. Plenty of people with integrity work in government. What the sad part is, they don't realize by their participation in this giant mechanism, they're destroying the lives of innocent people all over the world. So they should quit and go work for a real 
business that provides real value and doesn't steal from everybody. What it is, is in every rat race, there is ways to, to cheat and get better. Like you can be a high integrity sports person, but you might be a cyclist who thinks, well, you know what? Maybe I'm just going to fuck around with my blood because I want to, you know, I want to win the Tour de France. And you might be an athlete, you might be the same. You know, you could be somebody in business who fucks somebody over to get up. And, you know, there are, there are, as, you know, the perfect term that Hoddle used is perverse incentives. It's the same, I'm sure, within government. If you want to be a successful politician, you do back to end deals. You do, you know, you, you want to secure votes within your party, so you have to do deals with people. I mean, one of the great uh, TV programs for me for understanding US politics, I don't know if it actually does ref- totally reflect it, but House of Cards, all you're seeing is all these backroom deals being done, right? You do this, we'll do that. And that's the problem, it's the perverse incentives, it's like, how are you going to help me? Yeah. That exists in every part of life. That is just is. But, and it's, but wait it's, a second, it's, that's because it's an unlimited stream of money coming from the top. These people can keep no, playing what I'm the game. Well, J- no, Jim. Yes, it's, I, agree I mean, with corruption that. has corruption has been going on from time immemorial. Of course, we that'll were on never a stop. Money but, standard, or but not, the people right? who can pay for the corruption in a in a closed uh, monetary system that n- no more is created, those people that can pay for that corruption run out of money eventually, and that money but, is now dispersed to other people. What I'm saying, Jim, is people make trades in life. They trade with themselves, trades with their integrity, trades with other people. They make decisions, like a million decisions a day. And every now and again, they're going to make bad ones. And I just think in politics, it's a dirty business. Like the way to 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 get in power, to wield power, to you know, sometimes you you have to do deals with the devil. And 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 there are people with low integrity, and there's people with high integrity, and they make different trade offs. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just more. Try, I try and understand why it happens. You know, if we're going to break down the uh, structure of power, well, what replaces it? What makes it better? You know, do, do we have 330 million people living completely independently with no centralized power? Or will there naturally be new forms of power, new forms of structure that form? How are they governed? Like, that's what I'm really super interested in. And uh, I just think it's a, you know, it's a very complicated subject we could discuss for hours. People love but to collectivize, um, man. They fucking love to collectivize, yeah, they do. you know? I, well, I think we, we one collectivize of the smartest families. things I've say... Yeah, I think one of the smartest things I ever heard Balaji say was he said, you know, the sovereign individual thesis is correct, except it's not going to be the sovereign individual, it's going to be the sovereign tribe. And I think if you look at, you know, Bitcoin maximalists, like, we're essentially a sovereign tribe, right? Yeah. One of the first. Slope one of the most powerful. really, right? I agree. Yeah. It's breaking break down into to, to smaller structures, which, you know, which does make sense. Um, well, listen, look... I've got to head off. Um, Jim, great to meet you, man. Thanks for coming on. I really hey, thanks for having me. You, you obviously don't remember. We met at Unconfiscatable, I think it was two years ago. You weren't there last we, year, were you? In Vegas. Yeah, in Vegas. Yeah, I was there. Yeah, I was. At last year as well? Then maybe it was last year. I think it was at the poker tournament, which would have been two uh, years ago. I did The one that was that. in the hotel. Oh, whatever. Yeah. We met for a minute or two, you know, whatever. You were a big wig. I was nobody. So I oh, expect you not to remember me. It's okay. <laughs> Don't embarrass me. Well, listen, look, uh, I'm going to see you in Miami, right? I'll be there. I'll be there for sure. Can't wait. I've got 20 grand to put behind the bar for a party. So I hope you come along and drink with me and I'll uh, save your ticket. Well, you too I'm not much of a drinker, but I enjoy the socializing. So. Well, we'll do that. You save well, money having me there. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's great to meet you. I hope you do go and. Uh, uh, do some more podcast stuff. If you need any help, if you want to do something, you just tap me up and I'll share all my I appreciate that. I, have I do have it. one last and statement to make, and yeah, it's this. Do it, man. <laughs> <laughs> if you're just listening oh, man, in audio, Jim's showing his t-shirt, which says, this t-shirt is more decentralized than Ripple, which is an accurate and factual statement. 
Right. It's really and it's why I bitch about the shit coins. But dude, Thanks like, for having me on, Peter. I really appreciate it. Hoddle, always good to see you again. Good Can't to wait you, to brother. hang out again. Good to see you. Hoddle, man. Good to see you. I'll see you in Miami. Jim, I'll see you in Miami. And uh, yeah, let's go and uh, drink and talk Bitcoin, even if it's soft drinks. These guys. <laughs> All right. What do, you, what do you think of that one? You know, I really enjoyed that. It's great to talk to Jim. What a cool guy. Obviously, there's some areas we don't agree on. I think there are things we would never agree on. We do have a different worldview. I also think that's part to do with where we're from geographically. I think the American approach to Bitcoin sometimes is a very different from, say, the European approach. But that's cool. Um, and it was cool to have an honest and open discussion about this. I think by having these conversations open and in public, we can try and understand the different perspectives that people have because you know, Bitcoin is an open and permissionless protocol. Anyone can use it. It doesn't matter who they are, what they think, what their bias is. And there are strong narratives around Bitcoin. So it's good to get out, good to talk about these things, whether we agree or disagree. But what did you think of this? Did you enjoy it? Let me know. You can hit me up on hello at whatbitcoindid.com or you can jump into my Telegram group. If you're a pleb and you want to reach out, you want to have a conversation about this, I am happy to talk to you at any point. Also, massive thanks to everyone who supports the show. If you've never left me a review, they're really helpful. If you can jump onto Apple Podcasts and leave me one, hopefully you think the show deserves five stars. But whatever you think, please do go and leave me a review. Okay, I hope you had a great weekend. Have a great week and I will see you all on Wednesday. 